Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. Uh, We got a full day covering what happened over the weekend. Navy Admiral Charles Richard has warned that the United States should anticipate and prepare for a protracted conflict with China in the near future, which could be triggered by further hostile actions toward Taiwan by Chinese forces. The U.S. uh, Strategic Command, one of the Department of Defense's 11 Unified Combatant Commands in the U.S. Department of Defense is responsible for America's nuclear triad. The remarks were given publicly by Richard at the Naval Submarine League's 2022 Annual Symposium and Industry Updates Award Luncheon on November 3rd, and were subsequently, (laughs) subsequently, I can't talk this morning, published by the Department of Defense. The current war in Ukraine, Richard stressed, constitutes a prelude to a very long conflict between China and the United States, with the United States' level of conventional and nuclear deterrence against the country slowly eroding. This Ukraine crisis that we're in right now, this is just the warm-up, Richard said. The big one, meaning a conflict with China, is coming, and it isn't going to be very long before we're going to get tested in ways that we haven't been tested in a long time. Urgent rethinking of current U.S. defense strategies and deterrence capabilities is needed in order to prepare for the threat of conflict with China, Richard argued, as this would be a different caliber of conflict to Russia's all-out invasion of of Ukraine, which began in February. As I assess our level of deterrence against China, the ship is slowly sinking. It is sinking slowly, but it is sinking. As fundamentally, they are putting capability in the field faster than we are. As those curves keep going, it isn't going to matter how good our operating plan is or how good our commanders are or how good our horses are. We're not going to have enough of them, and that is a very near-term problem. What's sad and disappointing is that too much time was spent saying things like, oh, China is just a paper tiger. They'll never be able to compete militarily with the United States. I'm not sure if it was arrogance or ignorance, but underestimating their desire to be a world superpower and the links that which they would go to achieve that is turning out to be a bad move. China has rapidly fielded and invested in high-end military technologies and equipment over the past few years, including massive investments in its Navy, new advanced drone concepts, modernized fighter jets, as well as new missiles of all types. Virtually every facet of its military has been significantly overhauled in the last decade. For some time now, U.S. defense officials have warned against the threats to regional stability and the U.S. posed by China's accelerated weapons and technology development, which has led to the country approaching parity, if not surpassing the U.S. in certain areas of warfare. Moreover, significant operational challenges for U.S. forces, especially in terms of logistics, would manifest themselves should a major conflict with China arise. Concerns have also been raised over the possibility that China and Russia are developing novel strategic weapons that might alter traditional deterrence thinking, 
which includes fractional orbital hypersonic capabilities and nuclear-powered long-range torpedoes. Beyond nuclear deterrence, and in order to modernize at pace with its competitors, the U.S. military must be able to develop and field new technologies and capabilities quickly. Richard stated, language like this makes me think that this just might be a huge grab for more defense budget dollars for companies like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. All told, Admiral Richard's remarks are absolutely some of the most dire that we've heard from a top U.S. official in regards to the threat posed by China's growing military. Some aspects of them have been heard from his predecessor, but the degree to which he proclaims the U.S. is losing its competitive advantage vis-a-vis China and that a war is coming is stunning. And yes, there could always be investment budgetary motivations behind comments like these, but there's no outright indication of that being the primary driver here. His comments seem startlingly frank, and at least from his point of view, but everyone can judge them to their own standards. If anything else, the Admiral's words are another indicator that the strategic momentum continues to shift in China's favor, and it's happening at a quickening pace. An envelope containing suspicious white powder was received Saturday at the campaign headquarters of the Republican nominee for governor in Arizona. A staffer at Kerry Lake's campaign headquarters in Phoenix opened the envelope, and items recovered during the investigation will be tested at a laboratory facility in Arizona, and there's no evidence that it has been sent to the FBI laboratory in Quantico. Apparently, Lake had told reporters Sunday evening that her campaign was initially told that the suspicious mail was being sent to Quantico for examination, but apparently there's a closer lab, and that's where they actually sent the substance. So they're going to find out what it was. There have been no reports. So this is, it's odd to me how this language is in here. So it says there have been no reports of injury and the investigation remains active. Earlier Sunday, Lake's team said it was taking the threat incredibly seriously and thanked the authorities for looking into the incident. Duncan, who is Lake's campaign spokesperson, said the staff member who opened the envelope was under medical supervision. So I'm not sure if that quantifies as a injury. I I don't know. So just apparently he's under supervision. In the meantime, uh, know that our resolve has never been higher and we cannot be intimidated. We continue to push full speed ahead to win this election on Tuesday. Arizona has been a hotbed of extremist anger and threats against political and election officials. Those threats have been leveled against both Democrat and Republican leaders. We're in dangerous times. This is not the first time we've been threatened. I've been threatened many times, Lake told reporters at a campaign event in Queen Creek. We'll get to the bottom of this. I really don't want to get too far ahead of it. I want investigators to look into it. And I truly want to find the people who sent this because it's wrong that this is happening. Lake's Democratic opponent, current Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, condemned the behavior directed at her opponent and her staff, saying that the incident was incredibly concerning. While I do not condone political violence, or any violence for that matter, and would never advocate for it, I would like to point out that this behavior is in fact taking taking place on both sides of the spectrum. At what point is it no longer extremist anger and just general anger at the people who are supposed to represent the citizenry? The most recent polling data from October of 2022 
shows that congressional approval rating is only at 23%. Congressional approval, particularly over the past few years, has not been high. Americans tend to see Congress as a group of ineffectual politicians who are out of touch with their constituents. Despite the current Congress having the largest number of women and being the most diverse Congress in American history, very little has been done to approve the opinion of Americans regarding the legislative branch. Perhaps it's not about gender or about race or what other other identifying metric shows diversity that matters to the constituency. Perhaps it's the ivory tower that politicians have raised themselves to, and it's crumbling at the foundation. After several days of calls for the Brooklyn Nets to suspend Kyrie Irving for promoting a film filled with anti-Semitic tropes on his social media accounts, the franchise went through with it on Thursday, as I told you guys on Friday, suspending the guard for a minimum of five games without pay. This came after giving Irving several attempts to apologize for promoting the film and disavow anti-Semitism, as well as NBA Commissioner Adam Silver issuing a public statement expressing his deep disappointment. In order to be reinstated by the team, Irving must fulfill six requirements. First, apologize and condemn the film he promoted. Second, make a $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes. Third, complete sensitivity training. Fourth, complete anti-Semitism training. Fifth, meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders. And finally, meet with team owner Joe Tsai to demonstrate an understanding of the situation. When Irving declined to answer the word no, when asked if he held anti-Semitic beliefs while addressing media on Thursday after practice and instead repeatedly saying, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. It became the final straw for Sai and the Nets. Brooklyn decided to suspend him for at least five games without pay and said that he's currently unfit to be associated with the team. The Nets said in the statement that Irving will be able to rejoin the team when he satisfies a series of objective remedial measures. Irving issued an apology late Thursday night after the Nets suspended him, saying in part, to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected from my post, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain. And I apologize. Um, It's unclear if that apology will suffice or if Irving will have to verbally issue a statement during his suspension. After Irving's apology surfaced on Instagram, Nets general manager Sean Mark said his statement was a step in the right direction, but that it's not enough. I told you guys last week that this situation is odd to me. I'm, I'm at odds internally with this. Uh, we had the debate and discussion in Liberty Happy Hour on Friday night, and I do understand that while something may come back on the institution and they felt the need to protect their brand, the list of demands seems excessive to impose onto an, onto an individual, and for me, it seems counterproductive. You're not allowed to say X, Y, Z. You must subject yourself to these punishments and satisfy us. Apply this method to any other thing. Let's say he posted a vaccine documentary. No, you must condemn the film and apologize. You must make a $500,000 donation to Pfizer. 
You must complete medical sensitivity training. You must complete new science rules training. You must meet with the CEOs of Moderna and Pfizer. My guess is that if Kyrie Irving is genuinely struggling with or believes something religious-wise, um, with the understanding, you know, from a religious perspective, the solution probably isn't to force feed him your messaging or else. Uh, that doesn't traditionally work and usually has the opposite effect. That's just my two cents. Um, the 27th United Nations Climate Change Conference will include discussions of loss and damage funding for some of the poorest and most heavily affected countries in the world. The topic of loss and damage funding has been nothing short of controversial, controversial among world leaders and policymakers. Loss and damage refers to the financial restitution from industrialized countries to vulnerable and developing countries to offset the effects of climate change. This funding can help those countries eventually catch up and implement the resources necessary to counter those effects more adequately. Presidential envoy and climate czar John Kerry recently said the United States would be on board with helping developing nations, which are disproportionately seeing the effects of climate change firsthand. Do you mean all those African countries that you guys have mined all those materials out of that have turned into desolate regions? How do we develop the developing world, Carrie asked. We've been falling short grossly. We have to help these countries be able to jumpstart. It's always a joy to watch these pompous, elite, frankly nobodies who think they're somebodies, globetrot around the world in their private jets, deciding where and how much money that doesn't belong to them they want to spend. The resolution to discuss loss and damage was a welcome one for non-governmental organizations such as the World Resources Institute, which is a nonprofit organization based out of Washington, D.C., that focuses on issues such as climate change, world food supply, forest conservation, and energy sources. Quote, At long last, providing funding to address losses and damages from climate impacts is on the agenda of the UN climate negotiations. This was said by Ani Dasgupta, which is the president and CEO of World Resources Institute. Vulnerable nations have tirelessly appealed for help to cope with the alarming and damaging climate impacts that they hold little responsibility for causing. Yeah, I'm sure that they were thrilled. I do love the name World World Resources Institute. They wonder why so many of us have become so populist and even isolationist at this point. Twitter is delaying changes to its user identification system until Tuesday's midterm elections, multiple outlets are reporting. The blue check marks are currently doled out to users who meet credibility requirements, or ten dollars to $15,000, whichever comes first. The decision to start charging for verification has sparked controversy about whether it might become harder for users to identify legitimate accounts. Critics say the move could boost misinformation on the site around elections, public health emergencies, or other important events or announcements. 
because the Blue Check Brigade hasn't been perpetuating misinformation about all of those things up to this point in time. Fuck, the president's account was fact-checked three times last week. The worry about $8 verification for everybody isn't that somebody is going to impersonate Joe Biden, wrote Ben Collins, who covers disinformation and extremism. It's that they're going to impersonate a no-name in a position of power, an election official, a CDC worker, a local news reporter, and cause chaos, much less solvable problem. Former top cybersecurity official Chris Krebs said on Sunday that allowing users to buy the blue check by including verification in the paid plan will create a very chaotic environment. On the site, possibly boosting the credibility of foreign actors, election deniers, and other potential bad actors. It opens the information space to a broader community of influencers, clout chasers, election denialists, and foreign actors. We've seen reports lately that Russia, China, and Iran are back at their old tricks, and it's going to create a very chaotic environment, Krebs said. Mind you, this is the same Chris Krebs that told you we had the most secure election in history in 2020 while also being the top cybersecurity official at the helm during a massive data breach that affected the State Department, the Pentagon, the Treasury Department, the Department of Homeland Security, and other departments and agencies. But please, tell us how you're the moral authority on mis- and disinformation. He's also attempted to quell worries about impersonation, insisting that Twitter will ban impersonators who do not make their parody clear. Kathy Griffin saw that action put in place yesterday, and the amount of entertainment that she has provided in her meltdown has been more than she's provided in her entire career. That is Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I love you guys. I hope you had a great weekend, and I hope you have a great start to your week. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.